Why, hello, hello, hello to everyone out there. It is August 25th. It's 11.48 in the morning. It's almost noon, afternoon. It's a beautiful day here in Vermont. The sun is shining. I'm feeling energetic. My birthday is on Thursday, so, <laughs> you know, it's just interesting because I'm not one to make a big fuss of birthdays. It's just another day to me. But this birthday in particular... I will be turning 30, which, you know, I, it's, 30 is, you know, not a long time in the grand scheme of life. I mean, if, depending on how, how long you live for, uh, which none of us know how long that's going to be. But I, I, I kind of was thinking about it this morning earlier when I woke up and I'm just like, 30 years. I just don't really feel like I've been around for 30 years. Like it is a, is it is a good chunk of time. And I'm just like, Wow. 30 years. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's interesting. I, I, I think with that, when the right number changes, it's like 25, you know, being 28 didn't feel any different than being 25 or 23. But I feel like when that left number changes, it's kind of like, oh, okay. You know, I'm leaving my 20s behind. I'm moving into my 30s, which I'm super excited about. I don't have all these preconceived ideas of, you know, as a gay man turning 30 is kind of like a lot of people, whether seriously or jokingly say like, oh, it's the end and blah, blah, blah. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that. So, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. We are here. I'm here to discuss seven years of calling New York City my home, the Big Apple, calling that home the chaos that is the city that never sleeps. And, you know, you know, growing up in small-town America, in Mentone, Indiana, I always knew, right, I always knew that I wanted to live in a big city. Like, growing up, I, 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 to quote a line out of Beauty and the Beast, I knew that there was more than this small provincial life. And I love, I mean, I lived, in small town America now yet again. But I always knew kind of um, in my adult life that I hoped to end up in a big city. Now, did I ever think that that city would be New York City? No. Um, living in New York was kind of just, it was just going with where the winds of life took me, I, I, I guess you could say, you know, an adventure. I mean, that was kind of, what my oh that's kind of how I look at life just like it's one big adventure and living in New York and calling New York home was just such an adventure and such a foreign idea to me because obviously coming from a town of like 900 people um, mind you I did not move from northern Indiana to New York I lived in Memphis Tennessee that was where I moved to in in February of 2012 and then Knoxville Tennessee after that and then a very brief moment in Atlanta Georgia and then in 2013 Valentine's Day to be exact of all days moved to New York City and spent the next seven years um, moved to New York when I was 22 and left at almost 30 you know and I, I got to experience New York for basically all of my 20s almost and the experiences that I was able to walk away with at the end of those seven years are things that will stay with me for the rest of my life. And the good, the bad, the ugly, the the extreme, the amazing, everything. And 
just how damn lucky I am to have been able to have called New York my home. And, you know, I would say one of the biggest pros for me for living in New York was the fact that it allowed me to really see people of all different varieties, nationalities, religions, sexualities, every type of person you really get exposed to in New York. And, and you really get to find your people, you know, um, not that it just, you don't like get to New York and it's like, you have this welcoming party. I mean, I moved to, and maybe if you know a bunch of people, right, you have friends there and, but I moved to New York knowing absolutely nobody. I knew one person and that person was a phony friend who I ended up ditching, um, shortly after I got to New York because they were a piece of shit, uh, to put it politely. And, you know, so it was it was not easy per se. I mean, I'm a very personable person and I can talk to anyone. I, I, I always kind of relate that to growing up being the youngest and being around a lot of people that were much older than me growing up in my life. So I just kind of learned to be able to communicate with people on a that were always much older than me. And so I don't know, I just never had that fear, I guess, of talking to people. So I did find my people and I did make friends and, you know, in 2013 and 2014, you know, going out, um, going to the gay clubs. I mean, that was, <laughs> oh my God, that was, those were moments in my life that were just, were the best. And I never, you know, I had party friends and I, I would go out and we all would have the best of times. Now, I had a lot of party friends back in 2013 and 2014 because those were my years of really going out and, and having a lot of fun w that their idea was just getting so messed up, you know, beyond the point of um, enjoying themselves, basically the point where they would wake up the next day and they probably wouldn't remember what the hell they did. And that to me was never enjoyable. I love to have a good time. I love a good drink. But a lot of that, you know, these people would um, be using, you know, illicit drugs and things like that. Um, I steered clear of that. I think there at one time I tried cocaine and um, it was awful. And I was just like, why do people do this? And people have told me, oh, it wasn't good cocaine. And I was just like, okay, well, still all the same. Just can I have a vodka cranberry, please? <laughs> I just, I don't know. It just wasn't for me, but the party scene was definitely a place where you, you know, you know, you, you meet, you meet all sorts of gays and a lot of them are, um, just really, just really bitchy and not, they're, they're good party friends and they're great for that. But when it comes to really cultivating real close friendships, I wouldn't say the club scene was where it happened for me. Um, when I really stopped partying and going out like I did all the time in 2013 and 2014, you know, I moved past those people um, in the sense of, you know, our friendship was 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 centered around going out and having a fun time and when that when i stopped really doing that as much it was like goodbye and that's fine because there's different friends for different um stages in one's life but that would be the biggest pro of just really being able to find your people and just experience like a whole diversity of people i think because when you grow up in a small town of people you don't really get that 
Now, that isn't to say that there isn't diversity to be found in small town America. I have someone writing in being like, are you trying to say that there's no diversity in small town America? Yeah. <laughs> yes, there's diversity in small town America. But the fact of the matter is the level of diversity at which one finds in small town America can't really be compared to the level of diversity that one finds in a city like New York or L.A., Chicago, Atlanta, etc. Um, I think that having that firsthand account of actually living in a place with so much diversity, it, it helps make you more aware and self-aware also, I think, as a person as well in some ways. And I'm not saying that that makes you a better person than anyone that lives in small town America. I think that um, people in small town America can have a broadened horizon and perspective on people and the diversity that is out there. But you, it takes a little bit more... Um, digging and looking for it versus if you actually live in one of these places and it's just your everyday living in these places that gives you that real uh, knowledge and perspective, right? So let's go into this idea of these misconceptions of New York, right? I think one of the biggest misconceptions, uh, you know, one of the most popular anyways, is this idea that everyone is an asshole. Nobody is nice. <laughs> now, yes, New York is filled with people that are very busy and very much in their bubbles in their own little worlds, and they have no time to really talk to anyone when they're out and about. They've got their headphones in, they got this bitch face look on on their face and it's like do not talk to me but at the same time there are so many down-to-earth people whether it's at you know walking in central park or being on the subway or at the coffee shop now not not starbucks i detest starbucks and that's a whole nother podcast episode but in new york there are lots of places to get a proper cup of coffee and Starbucks, in my opinion, is not one of them. But I digress. <laughs> but you meet so many amazing people in New York. And I, I'm a lot of people that I would run into would be natives, people that have lived there their whole life, 20 years, 30 years, whatever amount of years. And they were just the kindest people. Talk to you, strike up a conversation. Obviously, you know, tourists, because tourists can generally tell when it's someone that's not another tourist. And it's like, let's go up to them and ask them for directions because they maybe know where the hell they're going or where how to get to this place, which was which was always a fun, um, fun interaction with people to be like, can you tell us how to get to here? Um, we're trying to get to the New York Public Library. Where do we go? <laughs> but. The idea that everyone is just awful and mean in New York is so not true. I mean, yes, people are rude and people... But, I mean, are people not rude everywhere in this this freaking world? I mean, come on. Let's be real. Uh, there is a level of eclecticness and diversity and friendliness that is just so unlike any other place I've been in America. So that would be, I, I'd say, one of the biggest misconceptions. Um, New York is full of kind-hearted people um, that are willing to stop and talk with you. You just have to find them. You might have to look a little bit harder than, than some other places. Um, also, what about the fact that, you know... <laughs> The city is so dangerous. Oh, my God. <gasps> There's actually, I believe it's on the news, on the local, like, New York news, like Channel 7, Eyewitness News. Um, but I believe it's at, like, at 10 o'clock, they will come on with this little snippet, which is just, like, this voiceover. And it's like, it's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your children are? <laughs> 
I mean, because it's, I mean, let's be real. It's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your kids are? But this idea that New York is so dangerous and, you know, don't go out at night by yourself, especially in Central Park, you're going to get bu- you're going to get mugged by the boogeyman. Now, I will say, yes, New York is a dangerous city. There's I mean, anywhere is dangerous to some aspect. And I think with New York, it's really instead of this idea of being fearful of being out and about now. It's more of just being aware. Where are you in the city? You know, knowing what, whether you're in the Bronx or you're in Manhattan or you're in Queens or you're in Brooklyn or you're in Staten Island or you're in lower Manhattan. Like, where are you in New York? And knowing those neighborhoods, because there are neighborhoods in the city um, that are more um, in tune with violence and, you know, mischievousness. It's just, it's it's truth. And, um, but this idea that you know that you got to be scared or it's it's you know it's a really scary place new york ah no i i lived in east spanish harlem seven blocks above the very northeast top part of central park because central park starts at 59th street and goes all the way up to 110th street i can't do math i don't know how many blocks how many what the difference is of that but it's 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 big right And so I live seven blocks above it between Park Ave and Madison and in East Spanish Harlem. I was probably the only white person in my building. Uh, Honestly, I probably was. And I lived in East Spanish Harlem for five to five and a half years. And I didn't, you know, I didn't have too many problems. People, you know, people maybe give me a funny look or sometimes it'd be late at night and, you know, someone would, you know, holler, you know, oh, you faggot or something, you know, which, you know, look, are you going to call me, are you going to call me a faggot? Tell me something I don't already know. I, that, that, when people try to come at you, come at me with calling me that, I'm just like, you're not telling me anything I don't know. Like, it just, it, it's a more of a representation of how shitty of a person you are. And it's not hurting my feelings, but, <laughs> but generally, no, um, you know, and I'd go out to Central Park at two, three in the morning. I'd go to my favorite spot on the Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis Reservoir, which is in like north central, central part of the park. And it's um, all very well lit. It's got a whole running path around it in uh, um, the reservoir does and with lamp posts and it's got the park benches um, that you can, you know, you can actually buy uh, New York City Central Park park benches. You can, I think you have to donate uh, an exorbitant amount of money to, to actually get one. But then they have a little plaque on them that you can, like, dedicate to such and such a great Aunt Ethel or something. But I always wanted one, but Lord knows I don't have got that kind of money. But there was this one bench in on the northern end of the reservoir that I love because it just had this beautiful view of the midtown Manhattan skyline. It's just it was just so picturesque and I had one time where I had a makeout session with this very beautiful um, man from uh, London who was visiting it was one of the years actually around my birthday believe it or not I think it was in 2017 I don't know anyways there was just his name was Alistair I mean such a Oh, such a beautiful name. And he had this gorgeous accent. And we went, it was late, late, late. It was like two in the morning and he wanted to meet. And I was like, well, can we go to <laughs> for a walk in, in, in Central Park? And, I, you know, 
I was like, well, he's going to think I'm a murderer or something. But we did. And um, on that park bench, we we sat for a little while and just talked. And then, you know, sitting turned into a little bit more. And it was like being in a fucking movie. Let me tell you, it was it was something else. <laughs> and the thing about also in Central Park, you know, it does close at a certain hour. So you're not technically supposed to be in it. You can get like ticketed or you know, I don't think they arrest you. And, you know, unless you're really doing something bad. But please I was a pro I never got arrested or ticketed or nothing because they didn't ever see me because you when you live there long enough you know where to go and where to not be um and the northern part of Central Park is generally very less populated even at night um because it's not it's not the lower end of the park which tends to be where more of the tourism and all that wonderfulness is. But, you know, there are tourists that uh, will, especially during the daytime, meander their way up to the northern part of the park. But, um, yeah, the, the fact that this, this city is so dangerous, you know, just you got to be aware, right? You got to be aware of what you're doing and where you are at because crazy people are everywhere. They're in the northern woods in Central Park. They're in the line with you at the coffee shop. They're on the subway platform. They're down at the Macy's. They're everywhere. So you just have to be aware, you know? And so that's what I would say about danger in Central Park. Now, there's this great quote about uh, New York City. It's by Pearl S. Buck. And it says, as for New York City, it is a place apart. There is not its match in any other country in the world. And that is so true because New York is, you know, it's like it's its own, not only its own universe, but time in New York is also something that's very different. And I've tried to explain this to people that don't live in New York and they're like, what the hell are you even talking about? But people that live in New York, I think, can sometimes understand this concept of time moves differently in New York because it's like seven years in some ways to me felt like a millennium, like a lifetime of experiences and things that I went through from the people that I would meet or the experiences that I would go through with people that I worked for. Um, you know, I had a boss. Oh my God, I could have a whole episode on this, but I worked for one of my first jobs. Actually, my first job in New York, I worked for a woman who owned her owned her own private medical house call company and she ended up being the bitch troll from hell as Patsy Stone would say and uh, I ended up suing suing her and uh, we had a federal lawsuit for almost three years and I ended up winning and she was just the most awful awful troll bitch from hell you could ever meet and that uh, you know from that to the good things of New York and um you know, but there's just so much that you experience in in time is so, I don't know, it's just such a, it's a different concept altogether in New York because at some days it can feel like, oh, it was just yesterday that I was getting off the plane and some other days it can feel like, oh my God, I've been here forever and is this ever going, like, am I ever going to get out? Because <laughs> I do think the longer you stay in New York, in some senses, it's harder to to find yourself leaving New York because you get so accustomed and comfortable to calling it home and and the convenience of what the city does allow you to have. And, um, and I think one of the things that I so much I miss about New York is just the the experiences and the people and the magic of really getting to experience New York. You know, I, I am a photographer and I loved getting um, behind a camera and... Um, 
shooting landscapes of the city because New York is so beautiful. Um, it's another misconception that New York is just so dirty and it's gross. And yes, it is dirty and it is gross and there's rats and there's cockroaches and things like that. But New York is so, I mean, it's a big city. Like, please, there's garbage. It's 8 million people. It's of course, uh, you know, and there's parts of New York that, that it stinks and it smells and, but it is a beautiful place at the same time. And, and that, that um, relationship between a photographer and the city, the subject, the city, or whether it was people in the city or whatever, is such, uh, for me as a photographer, is just one of the great joys of living in New York. Um, I, I really miss it when I really stop and think about it because it's just, it's unlike anything. You can really, the energy just jumps off from the picture you can literally look at a picture and it's like you can just jump into it and you can feel that energy it's it's very palpable and like i said it's something that i i greatly do miss about the city because small town america is beautiful it is great but you just there's something about a chaos of a big city that it is mind altering in some of the worst ways that i think at the same time it's something that gives you a lot of joy and um excitement and the unknown can you know is unnerving at times and cities big cities are filled with um all sorts of unknowns but i think that can also bring about a lot of adventure and um give you a lot of one-of-a-kind experiences for sure. And speaking of one-of-a-kind experiences, one of my most (laughs) memorable moments, you know, people ask, uh, well, what was something that was so memorable of living in New York for seven years? I would say probably the most memorable thing was on March 12th, 2014 in East Harlem at 9.31 in the morning, there was a building explosion from a gas leak. And this was literally probably 50 feet away from where my apartment was. Um, I lived in like, so the block would have basically been Like I said, I live between Park Ave and Madison Avenue, and that was on the northern end of the block. So if you went south, you'd be at 116th Street on either side and then 117th Street. So it's just a big block. And I was on the north part of that. So where these two buildings were that ended up blowing up were on the east side of that just like catty corner to my apartment. My apartment um, backed up to an inner courtyard, which you could see the back of these two buildings that um, ended up exploding. And it was, like I said, it was a 9.30 in the morning. And I had actually, I was up around probably... 8, 8.30 in that morning, um, I had gotten ready and uh, gotten gotten showered, whatever, put on clothes, blah, blah, blah. And I was going to, it was around, <clears throat> close to around 9.30, um, I don't know, 9.20, whatever. And I was going to actually go walk to the 116th Street Deli, which is right on the corner of 116th Street. 116th Street and Park Avenue. Um, so I, when I walked this sidewalk um, many times because the 6 train was one avenue over, over on Lexington, um, which is right the avenue that's over from Park Ave, to get to the 116th Street train, the 6 train. Um, 
But I would walk past these buildings, this block from 116th to 117th over and over so many times in the times that I lived there. Um, and for some reason, I just was like, you know what? I'm just, I'm not going to go to that deli. I was going to get some breakfast or whatever. I'm just going to stay home. Um, I'll have some cereal or something. Um, so I had, uh, I had gone back and just was like laying in bed. I remember I had posted, um, it was a Wednesday, I believe. I had posted a woman, a woman crush Wednesday photo on Instagram. And I don't remember who it was maybe Angelina Jolie or Adele or something. And there was just the most, ah, wow. It was the most deafening sound. I mean, an explosion that literally shook the entire building and surrounding area. And it lasted for, you know, five to like maybe seven seconds. It seemed like an eternity in, in the moment. And, I mean, it was deafening. I, I can't really explain, uh, give a, a representation, except for the fact, like, if you've ever been to a fireworks show and you hear, you, you see those big fireworks that are just what they call duds and they're just like a bright flash and they're just very loud, that's kind of like what it was, um, if I can give some sort of representation. Um, obviously, you know, I'd never... I've never lived in a war-torn country. I've never been in a place of war to experience what explosions and things like that are um, on that level. And it was it was terrifying. I buried my head in my pillow um, because at that moment, you know, I there was just almost no time to react or like get up, run, do any like it was just it just was like kind of frozen in fear. So I just buried my head in my pillow and I laid there and then it stopped and it was eerily quiet except for the fact that you heard car alarms and just and then you heard people starting like screaming um which was so eerie and I looked out my my window towards the inner courtyard and I saw these two buildings that I you know look at many times through living in that um apartment <clears throat> until the, that day and they were reduced to a pile of rubble, and um, you could see from the backs of them that it was there was fire and smoke, and it was just like, it was a really, um, it was so, wow, it was scary. Um, I had taken some Instagram videos of it, and I'd actually had someone from the LA Times um, reach out to me through Instagram, I believe, and they, I was. Uh, quoted in an article written in the LA Times and I was just like well I got in the LA Times so now all I need to do is get in the New York Times that never happened but and I was interviewed for a local news channel down in Atlanta of all places they you know um you know it was it was covered across um, America um this building explosion because it was quite it was two buildings and there were eight people killed 70 people injured um and, you know, I think one of the things that the reason there wasn't more people was that it was it was the daytime. I mean, it was early morning, but I can only imagine how much more terrifying that would have been if it had been at nighttime. Um, it was just when I think back to it, it was it was it was scary. It was terrifying. And um, I ended up <clears throat> getting a shot uh, or I ended up 
leaving the apartment um, because they actually were kind of evacuating that building area because, you know, they it was just kind of unsafe and they didn't know if, you know, other parts were maybe going to blow. It was just it was crazy. So I ended up going to one of my um, friends at the time. who was one of my party friends. Um, Corey was his name. And I he lived on the Upper West Side and we went out and had um, some food and I needed a, a strong fucking drink. And um, so it was just, it was terrifying. And we went, ended up going back obviously to the apartment, but windows from, it was uh, the buildings that the apartment building was uh, from the first floor, I think to like the fifth, I think it was, yeah, five, five stories. So my apartment was kind of in the middle of that northern block of the of the building and um basically from from my apartment all the way towards the east side which was towards park avenue the the apartment windows from the first floor to the top floor were all blown out um people in other apartments further east of where we were because we're kind of in the middle we were farther uh, towards you know the the west part i guess well like i said in the middle of it um but people told us that their um <clears throat> their air conditioning units which were kind of below um certain windows in the in those apartments were actually blown back into the apartments themselves um and the covers were blown off and like i said the windows were shattered and it was really it was really terrifying for at least a good year after that. Any type of loud noise even, um, which is New York is a very loud place and there's booms and bangs and, you know, I don't know. There's just all sorts of loud noises that you experience in New York. But after going through that um, explosion, I would um, I would jump. I would be if I heard a loud noise and was caught off guard, I, I would just it it took me back to that more and obviously it wasn't to the level that it was that that fateful morning but it was just really scary and you know call it a, a very very minor minor form of PTSD um and it was so crazy because I would have been walking around that time either I would have been either in that deli which was very um extremely damaged because it was like two two doors down from those two buildings um I would have either been in that deli, which was greatly damaged. It never ended up opening back up after that explosion. Um, or I would have been walking in front of that, uh, on that sidewalk. And when those buildings exploded, um, there was a pile of rubble, um, you know, just piled up on that sidewalk. So, you know, it just, it, I wouldn't call it a, you know, a close call with death, but it was very much one of those times in life where it's just like, oh my word um <laughs> if i had been where i had planned to be at that time it could have been a very different outcome so it was it was a little um <laughs> it was a little daunting and just uh, mind-blowing in many ways but that was that was probably the most memorable time and you know i got my 15 seconds of of fame being interviewed and on uh, on um for the LA Times and having giving a voiceover inter interview phone interview to uh, station news station in um, Atlanta, so that was that was crazy, and um, 
Yeah, so there was so many different, you know, memorable, good memorable moments beyond that. But that was when people say, what was your most memorable? That definitely was for sure. And um, <clears throat> but I want to I want to close the podcast with a quote. This is a quote of mine that I um, made up myself because I like to write. And, um, and it goes like this. You have to be a little crazy to want to live in New York and a little more crazy to stay once you get there. And for seven years, and I would still say even, you know, past that, um, I, I fit the bill. You know, I'm, I'm definitely a little crazy and a little bit more crazy to want to stay one, once I got there. It's, it's, New York is not everyone's cup of tea, but for some people it is their whiskey. It is the excitement and unknown and adventure for what a lot of people need in their life and want in their life. And I would strongly recommend to anyone that, um, you know, even just to visit New York, I think everyone, you get a chance to just visit. I, I, I don't, necessarily encourage everyone to live there you have to be a certain type of person to want to live in new york um and new york is not for everyone new york's new york's uh chews and spits out a lot of people faster than you can say bob's your uncle so it takes a certain type of person to want to take that craziness on but i think everyone should visit new york i think everyone should have that experience especially uh, visit new york in the holiday season new york during the holidays is magical it is just like the movies i absolutely adore new york during christmas time um i always say the holiday season is from thanksgiving through uh new year's and it is magical it is what the movies are you know home alone 2 lost in new york it's just it's that and everything else. Um, some of my favorite places in New York, the Plaza Hotel, ugh, a love affair that will never end. That is the most one of the most beautiful buildings in all of New York. It is my favorite hotel. The WTC, the World Trade Center, Transit Hub, um, Battery Park City. If I could lived anywhere in New York and money was no option, it would be Battery Park City. I love it down there. It's so open. The Battery Park... Um, Battery City Park is just so beautiful. It's so open. Um, you have everything down there in downtown now. I mean, after 9-11, it was downtown was kind of a, a ghost town for many years. But after it was re rebuilt and and um, it brought a lot of infrastructure back to downtown. And it's really a beautiful place. Um, and I met, you know, the closest people in my life, um, best friends, actually, my my roomie, Julia, that I live with here in, in Vermont. Uh, we met in New York. I have a good, good close friend, my friend Nick, and um, so many other close people. Um, but New York allowed me to, to be introduced to those people, and I couldn't imagine my life without them. And, um, and so many others, I, I fell in love in New York for the first time in my life. It didn't end up working out for me, but, um, it happened and, uh, it's, um, you know, a lot of good memories and just, you know, even through the hard times and the bad times and the tears, um, New York has always been such a, such a thrill. And like I, I said before earlier in the podcast, uh, how damn fortunate I am to have to have lived that reality. And um, it'll be something that I'll be forever grateful for. So 
thank you for taking the time out of your day to sit, stand, run around, whatever it is you're doing to listen to this episode of Thoughts from a Virgo. I really greatly do appreciate that anyone would take the time out of their day to sit and listen to me jibber jabber on. <laughs> but if you want to reach out to me, you can do so through email at thoughtsfromavirgopodcast at gmail.com. You can say hi, introduce yourself suggest things you would like to hear me talk about, uh, whatever those may be, and um, whatever you want. So that's a way to get in touch with me. And again, thank you for taking the time out of your day to let me chit chat with you. And I hope you have a great rest of your Tuesday. Be kind to yourself, be kind to others. And until next time.